we gotta lie about everything because that's what parents do yeah, it's like when you're a kid and your parents put your dog to sleep and they tell you it went off to live on some farm oh my god cheech <laughs> you lied to me the truth shall set you free Welcome to the Shit You Were Told podcast, a science podcast about all the weird stuff you believed, which turned out to be bullshit. Or is it? Welcome to the fourth episode of Shit You Were Told. I'm Jen, and I'm joined by Thanuri and Jesse in person yet again. Woohoo! <laughs> now, when we put the call out for you to tell us all the weird and wonderful things your parents had you believing as kids, there was one theme that reoccurred over and over. Jesse, Thanuri, any guesses what that might have been? Mm. There were a lot of examples just related to food in general. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about pools in episode two and, you know, how you've got to wait half an hour before going swimming after eating. That sort of stuff was just dotted all over the Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> It was indeed things that revolve around eating. Jesse's absolutely right. So there are so many that we could explore. And one that sticks in my head is that eating your crust will make your hair curly. Oh, a classic. Yeah. So my mum would tell me this one and I'd force down those bland pieces of crust in the hope that my dead straight hair would magically become curly one day. <laughs> I used to cut the crusts off for that reason. And just eat a plate of crust. Oh, you didn't want curly no. hair. Well, I mean, my my hair is curly <laughs> enough as it is. So I thought by cutting the crusts off, therefore it I would, would you know, sort of straighten out yeah. a little bit. Maybe if I cut half the crusts off, yeah. then I could do a little bit of hair straightening that way. No, I was like eating like everyone's crusts because my hair is like completely dead straight. It looks like I like straighten it deliberately every day and I don't. Um, so it didn't work at all. Like I tried so, so hard. And my mum's got like a little bit of wave to her hair when it's short. So I thought that like. You'd get some. Yeah. yeah but not nah, never happened. I, I feel like that's so... a thing that's so common though. Cause like I have really wavy hair and I always wanted dead straight hair. Like a lot of people want the opposite of what they have. Absolutely. Yeah. The grass is always greener yeah. on the other side. Yeah, for sure. So what are some food-related fibs you think your parents told you guys? Um, I remember my mum would say that eating carrots would help you see at night, but I don't know if that was true. I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember something similar. You know, mum would say, eat your vegetables because it'll make you nice and strong. And she's right. And a lot of these myths about food have origins which are related to keeping you healthy. So, for example, when we think of oranges you know, increasing vitamin C to fight off scurvy. That was a real thing that I believe sailors would do to make sure that they didn't get scurvy. Yeah. I remember that because like in PE one year, they told us this horror story about someone who ate like two minute noodles and that's all they ate and they got scurvy because they was... didn't have any vitamin C. Was it me? <laughs> I think that's most uni students around, yeah. around the country. You just grate some carrots into you. Meagering to make it like nutritionally. Add an egg for some protein. But it's a cautionary tale, isn't it, for, for keeping your food nice and nutritional. And the carrot thing actually has some um, merit to that oh, it does. fib. Well, it's not actually a fib. So carrots have beta carotene in it um, and our body will convert that to vitamin A. And if you end up deficient in vitamin A, it can affect your vision. So it can lead to night blindness and... Um, oh. Yeah, so there's so actually... So it wasn't 
Does that mean I should go out and buy a shit ton of carrots now? Well, (laughs) it's not going to give you, like, night vision more than what you would have normally, (laughs) but it'll stop it from getting bad. So eat your carrots. So there are actually two that I think we should explore today. Uh, The one that intrigued me the most as a kid was that if you swallow gum, it'll stay in your stomach for seven years. <laughs> you guys told that one? I was yes. told that one. I yeah. That one. It seemed to be a super popular one with all you folks as well. We had people telling us that they were told this too, as well as more elaborate things like it'll block your stomach, it'll wrap around your heart, and that you'll even blow bubbles out your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard the wrap around your heart one. Yeah, neither. Oh, it came up a, a couple of times, which makes me think that those parents might have needed an anatomy class. Like, <laughs> correct me if it's if I'm wrong, but I don't think you can swallow something and it ends up in your bloodstream like like an actual like object. Maybe not in your bloodstream, but as we'll find out shortly, <laughs> it can end up in all sorts of weird and wonderful Ooh. places. Ooh. Intriguing. <laughs> So thanks for sharing all those with us. It gave us quite the laugh as well as great trips down memory lane. And another one of the eating beliefs that kept coming up was that if you eat seeds or pips of apples, melons, and even cherries, you'll start growing whatever it was you ate in your belly, like a tree. Were you guys told this as kids? Yeah, 100%. I was terrified of swallowing watermelon seeds. That was Mm. the one my mum would always be like, you grow a watermelon in your stomach and it'll, like, explode. <laughs> wow, exploding watermelon. What about you, <laughs> Jesse? Yeah, I was also told this one. It was really popular on the schoolyard. We would not eat seeds out of fear that they'd grow inside of us. But I was also with a young person. I don't know how old they were, maybe four or five. And they turned to me and they said, I saw this lady the other day and she had a really big stomach. And I thought, you know, don't comment on other people's appearance. But the thing that got me was they said, did she eat watermelon seeds? <laughs> Turns so out she was cute. pregnant. That's so, so cute. <laughs> very innocent, but a pervasive myth that we've sort of explored from a very young age. I think my parents telling me this one probably actually worked almost the opposite way to what they intended because they used to give me apples, right? Um, I don't like many fruits, but I will eat apples. And once they told me about this seed thing, I was terrified. You know how sometimes you bite into an apple too far and you go into the core and the seeds are there? I was terrified to do that. Um, So then I would only, like, eat just, like, one sort of layer around the apple and leave, like, cores that have, like, most of the apple still on it and be like, (laughs) I'm done. And mum will be like, finish your apple. Oh, no, I have. So I think it, like, backfired a little bit in our family. I mean, the apple one has some merit to it because apples, like, apple seeds have arsenic in it. So if you eat too many of those seeds, you can become sick. So it was self-preservation. Yeah. That's what you're telling me. But we're talking about a lot of apple seeds. So if you accidentally ingest an apple seed, you're not going to have to worry about arsenic poisoning. You you can eat your apples further than what I was eating as a kid. So we are going to bite off more than what we can chew today and get stuck into some science around bubble gum. Can I offer you a piece of gum? I was actually never allowed to have gum as a child, so oh, I'm a bit like gum virginy over here. <laughs> Were you allowed to have gum, Tanuri? Yeah, I was. Like I was we would play the game of like who could blow the biggest bubble. See, I have a confession. I 
at the age of 33, I still do not know how to blow a bubble. What? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. Like, how's it's it all happen? all in the tongue. Right. But before you take this piece of gum, which I have here, you might want to hear this first. So let's start at the beginning. Gum's been around for a really long time, like a really long time. The first commercially made gum was sold in 1848 and traditionally used tree sap to make the gum base. But children especially have been chewing gum since the Stone Age. Black lumps of tar with tooth impressions have been found in Scandinavia dating back to around 7,000 BC. So they found lumps of lumps of tar with tooth impressions in it, and they were able to establish that they were roughly the size of children's teeth, and they were chewing tar. Just caveman kitties gnawing on some tar. <laughs> I think so. I don't know if there was much to do back then, so it's something that might have kept them occupied. Yeah, and they're not alone. The Greeks, as well as the First Nations people in America, have also chewed the resin of trees. Since 1848, though... The demand for gum went up and trees used for producing the gum base couldn't keep up with that demand. So now they're made up of synthetic or natural polymers, which are chains of molecules that are stuck together. Some, for example, use butyl rubber, which is also made, uh, also used rather, to make the inner tubes of tyres. Appetising? Oh, <laughs> not <So> really. <laughs> bubble gum is just tyres. Not all chewing gum is using butyl rubber as its gum base. So some use natural or synthetic polymers to, to make that gum base. But the idea is that every gum manufacturer has a different recipe and the idea is to make it as chewy and elastic as possible. Wow. Wow. But in addition to the gum base, chewing gum also has sugars, oils and preservatives and we can easily break down sugars and oils don't cause a problem for digestion. But the gum base isn't broken down by the acids and enzymes in our stomachs. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to stick around for seven years. In fact, like most things the size of a button or smaller, they're going to take um, a natural course. So you just poop it out? Oh. Pretty much. <laughs> I see. <laughs> or they'll be partially digested, but essentially they're going to take a one-way trip. Right. So peristalsis, that's the muscle, uh, or they're the muscle contractions that keep our digestive system going in one way, are going to keep the piece of gum moving along until eventually we poop it out. Even if it's a little bit slower than something that we might normally digest, then it's eventually going to get to the end. Right. In most cases, that is. But do you have any idea where the seven years came from? Was it, like, just one of those old wives' tales or, like, something someone said once that kind of gained traction. I feel like seven is a really popular number for anything. Like, you know, there's seven days of the week, seven years bad luck with mirrors, seven wonders of the world, like seventh heaven. Like it all just, it's always seven. It is. And Thanuri, you're right. Someone did use a particular word once that has made us think of seven years and it's stuck around literally. The fact is that we don't know where the actual number came from for certain. And you're right, Jen, in that it's a recurring number. Mm. So when you break a mirror, seven years bad luck. We don't know where the seven has actually come from. But it seems to stem from advertising from gum manufacturers, marketing that their gum was, and this is the word that they used, indigestible. So one word, that's all it took. <laughs> and it was probably a selling point that your gum was indigestible. 
because you could chew it for as long oh, as possible right. and it would retain its flavor oh, oh see our fuck. gums like indigestible <laughs> in that voice <laughs> in that voice that is very that is the best 1848 impression that i can do <laughs> it's a don't good know one. if it's at all accurate but digging through some scientific case studies, it appears that it's quite possible for gum to stick around in your gut for quite a long time. Hmm. How long do you think it does stick around for? Like maybe a week? Well, it really varies and it varies on um, an individual level. To give you one example, a case study published in the journal Gastrointestinal Endoscopy. That's an exciting reading. I had, I had fun reading it. <laughs> It tells the tale of one woman who, after several years of swallowing up to five pieces of gum a day, ended up with a large compacted piece of gum and food in her intestinal tract. Ew. So it was like a, it was blocking the passage. Doctors call this a bazaar, which comes from a Persian word that translates to antidote. I don't know if it's bazaar or bazaar. Um, I think in Harry Potter they call it a bazaar. It's in yeah. Harry Potter. Yes, um, Harry uses it to save Ron when Ron accidentally has poison. There you go. Well, that's why it's called, or it translates to antidote. Because bazaars, as they're known in medicine, can form themselves in our digestive tracts when they clump up with things that we can't digest and they, they combine with food and they block our digestive tract. But historically, bazaar stones were swallowed because they were claimed to cure poisons and illnesses. So it kind of makes sense that it would appear in Harry Potter. Because everything's true in those movies. <laughs> Quit thinking on your part, Harry, using a bazaar. But wait, there's more. In 1998, the journal Pediatrics published an article called Chewing Gum Bazaars of the Gastrointestinal Tract. Just a little a bit of life story. <laughs> I read it before bed last night. I'm going to share with you the story of one case that they included in that, um, in that example. What should we call her? Veruca. Oh, that's a great name. <laughs> As in Veruca from Willy, Willy Wonka. Wonka. <laughs> I'm assuming this child is going to be chewing a lot of gum. Wait and see. <laughs> okay, so Veruca's not feeling too well. In fact, Veruca is quite constipated. Oh, oh Veruca. poor Veruca. Now, that's not really uncommon for kids to become constipated. Veruca's four and a half years old, for, for those of you listening. And it's not uncommon for adults either. But this is different, you see, because Veruca swallows several pieces of gum a day. Oh, no. Not oh, just no. chews lots of gum, but swallows lots of gum. Oh, no. Up until now, though, the doctors have tried everything. They've tried mineral oil, they've tried fibre supplements, they've given Veruca an enema, and they've tried behaviour modification <laughs> with no luck. So nothing is working up until now. So the doctors opt to surgically remove the blockage. Now, to spare you the details, one line in their report simply reads, the mass was unmistakably chewing gum because it contained multiple spheres of chewed gum. Captain Ste Obvious? <laughs> <laughs> chewing gum because it's chewing gum. <laughs> Stating what's on the tin. But it was only until after the removal that Veruca's parents told the doctors that she was rewarded with chewing gum as a way of getting her to do what they wanted. Oh, Oops. no. <laughs> it gets worse, though. So not only were her parents using chewing gum as a form of positive reinforcement, they clearly didn't tell her that it's going to stay in your stomach for quite a while. <laughs> no, they needed to follow up with that one. <laughs> but Veruca was quite an intelligent kid. So Veruca was intentionally swallowing the gum because she knew that her parents would then give her another piece of gum. Oh, so it was this no. feedback loop. Oh, she was. And that wasn't going to end badly at all. 
There you have it. Another example of what some parents do to get their kids to do what they want. So what you're saying is it's quite possible for chewing gum to stay in your stomach for quite a long time, but it usually wouldn't be a problem. But if we can avoid swallowing it, that's probably the better thing to do in this case. Yeah, that's right. I mean, these are some cautionary tales of what not to do. And there aren't really any great nutritional benefits from eating gum anyway. But there are examples of how the act of chewing can be beneficial. So, for example, it's been shown that after some surgeries of the digestive system, that chewing gum post-surgery helps get the gut moving and not stay still. Well, that makes sense. But it's not the only thing that can overstay its welcome inside our bodies. As the Nuri was recounting, she was told that watermelon seeds would grow inside her if she swallowed them. And Jen, you were talking about apple seeds. The Nuri, I'm going to put some examples to you of things that have sprouted inside a human being. And I'd like you to share whether you think they're true or false. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Guava plant. Ooh. Um, I'm going to say false because, like, I feel like guava plants are big and I can't imagine it growing in someone. I don't know. Do you agree, Jen? I don't know what a guava is. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard heard about it, but I don't, I can't picture it in my mind, so I wouldn't have a clue. They're similar to, like, an orange in, like, their shape, but they're quite big and, like... So, like, they make... It's like, a it's a proper tree. tree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. And their seeds are quite small. Oh. They're not like a coconut, which would, yeah. like, <laughs> that's impressive if a coconut grows inside of you. <laughs> I'm going to say true. Okay, number two. Dandelion. Hmm. I think true because it's a small plant. And I feel like one of these has to be a true. So... I'm going to say true. When in doubt, go see. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of, number three, pea plant. Ooh, pea. Um, I'll say true, but I feel like it's weird that any of these plants are growing in anyone. What do you think, Jen? Uh, I, yeah, I'll go true, I think. But I actually have an additional... One to the list that Jesse doesn't have written down. Ooh. A potato. Like a potato plant? Like or a whole potato, like... Sprouting? Sprouting, yes. In someone. Yes. Oh, false. A whole potato. There's no way There's someone no could way. get a false. whole pot- Swallow a whole potato. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay. Well, the first three that we've talked about, guava plant, dandelion, and pea plant, They're actually all true. What? The first case of the guava sprout was a Taiwanese man who had a throbbing toothache in his upper wisdom tooth. Oh. It even came to the attention of the British Dental Journal, who published a link to the YouTube clip, which is still on YouTube, and you can see uh, an example of the tooth as well. Now, the guy had uh, the guava seed growing in his upper wisdom tooth, but the bottom wisdom tooth, directly below it was missing, so the sprout had room to grow. Oh, wow. Now, in the case of the dandelion, that was an example of a young woman from China who had a persistent earache for 16 months. 16 (gasps) months? What? Pop a couple painkillers. And then just the doctors removed the sprout and problem solved. Wow. Wow. But as for the pea plant, 
That is a case that belonged to a man named Ron Sweden, who, after going to hospital with chest pain, had an x-ray, and he was fully prepared that he was being told that he had a tumour because it looked really suspicious um, in his lung region. He was prepared that he was about to be told the worst, but then found out later that he had inhaled a pea that became lodged in the bronchus, which is the bit that branches off into your lung. Mm. Yeah. And it sprouted. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I guess because, you know, all of these plants, I think of, like, living in the dirt. So. Yeah, not in, like, tissue. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, what, like, are they getting nutrients from your body? Is that, like, how it works? Well, what's common between all these three cases is that each seed had the right conditions to grow. Do either of you garden? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I kill more than garden by accident. I garden a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so as you were saying, um, they, they need soil. Well, they can actually sprout in a number of places. I don't know. Do you remember at school you being given some cotton wool and putting seeds on it mm. and the seeds would sprout? Yeah, well, I mean, they don't have to. Like, they don't need soil. Like, because, like, you know, you can take cuttings from any plant. And just pop it in like a little bit of water and it'll sprout and you can then take that cutting and replant it so you know if anyone's an indoor gardener for example lots of people sell cuttings of their own plants to other people but yeah like i guess i never just the connection to your the human body is a bit too far <laughs> to think about it's not the first place that you would think of no. planting a seed that's for sure <laughs> it's sustainable though but Different types of seed sprout or germinate in different ways. Think of some Australian plants. As an ecologist, I'm sure you'd know Thanuri. Yeah. Seeds that first need fire to be able to germinate, so their temperature needs to increase a lot. Most seeds, however, don't actually need light to germinate. As long as they've got a moist environment with access to oxygen and a stable place to grow, chances are they'll sprout. Yeah. And the lung, ear canal, and the tooth all were Moist. places that met these conditions. Yeah. Which, that, this is where I'm going to jump in with that potato example um, that I threw in earlier. There's one other place um, that have the same moist conditions um, in which a Colombian woman discovered she could indeed sprout a potato in. Um, now, this woman, obviously... I'm connecting the dots here. <laughs> Jesse's gone like bright red right now. Um, I'm still lost. I'm like, so this woman presented to, I guess, an emergency room um, with severe stomach pain. And it was discovered that she had been using a potato, so a whole potato, as a contraceptive method. Oh. So it was in her. Um, And why? I mean, that wasn't in the paper. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure of the intention. Um, but the conditions of where she placed this potato were perfect to have the potato start sprouting. And that was why she was having severe stomach issues. Oh, God. Mm. But what does that mean? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just gathering myself. So what does that mean for our watermelon story? Well, our stomachs don't make very welcoming environments for seeds. The acids and enzymes prevent the seed from carrying out important steps for germination. Oh, so unless you're about to inhale the seed, 
it's not likely to be a problem that you'll grow the seed in your body. So I suppose we all have room to grow. And don't put things up your clacker. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit that subscribe button and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.